morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it might be, wherever you're at, Star Wars fans, welcome to Two Guys Talking Star Wars. I'm Tim. And I'm Brad. Today you find us on board a Rebel Blockade Runner. We happen to be traveling on a vessel. We, we don't know where we're headed. Uh, we're just going with it. You might recognize the look from the TNT 4 at the beginning of A New Hope. You can follow, by the way, all of our escapades on the website starwars.originofwebintelligence.com. That's starwars.originofwebintelligence.com. And this is the 27th of December. We're coming out to you, uh, coming to you, two days after uh, after uh, Christmas. Also uh, happens to be Life Day as well. Say, Tim. Speaking of this being the end of the year, I can't help but look back on the year Earth year, I should say, uh, the 2008 that was, and I look at all the good that occurred, and then some of the challenges. You know, one of the things I've been pondering is, what impact would Jedi have here? What What are the strengths that that Jedi bring to the table that would impact some of the um, challenges that we have? Look at the hot spots around the world. We know at the beginning of Phantom Menace that they showed up to try and uh, end a blockade through negotiation, and I can't imagine things getting nastier than that in terms of power, in terms of a show of force here on this planet. But there are, there are an awful lot of intransigent people. So, what would a Jedi do? For example, I think in a place like uh, Somalia, where there's no single governmental force, you know, it's, it's a non, non-led uh, country, could they step in and simply with their influence, with their Jedi mind tricks, with their reason, bring about a change that has never... Uh, you know that, that that we haven't seen in the last twenty years. What are your thoughts? I think that Jedi, uh, as they are self-described, are peacekeepers. I, I reflect back on conversations with Palpatine when he's ready to engage the Separatists in war, and the Jedi Council essentially tells him, "We can't kite, uh, fight this." for you. We are keepers of the peace, but we know from the Clone Wars and all the cartoons that go with it in the Clone Wars universe or the Clone Wars subset of the Star Wars universe that indeed most of the Jedi do go on to become generals in the Republic Army. And they truly do, contrary to what they said, actually fight the war. They they go out with their own little uh, ragaband battalions of troops, of clone troops, and they tackle. So I think in the world that we have today, they'd say, no, 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 we won't fight your words, we're peacekeepers. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they're going to do whatever's asked of them by the legitimate governments of the world. I think that they'd probably ally themselves with, on a planetary basis, uh, an organization like um, the United Nations. Um, I can't see the Jedi factioning uh, and going to their different respective countries. Well, to be clear, are you saying that they would not have accepted the task of going into a Somalia in order to, to keep the peace? If the United Nations or a recognized world-governing body asked them to or tasked them with it or whoever they ultimately would be seen as reporting to... I mean, the I think of, they would have. I think they would have been antsy to get involved in that, uh, not, not from an offensive... Seek, they don't seek battle, though. Well, okay, so I, not from an offensive... I cut correct. you off. Go ahead, say what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, not from an offensive perspective, but they see strife. They are peacekeepers. They're lovers of good, uh, as you know, in a very simplistic uh, uh, telling of, of their story. 
they're lovers of good. I think that they would have had a Jones to go into Somalia and they would have quickly sized up the situation or they would quickly size up the situation, find out who the 5, 6, 9, 12 uh, tribal lords are who, who really run the country and, and to, to, to figure out what their weakness is and to influence them uh, expediently using those weaknesses. You know, I also think that if you're go- going to say that they um, are peacekeepers and they made a switch at the request of the, the um, Republic Council, I'm sorry, the Jedi Council or the, the Republic, um, what am I trying to say here? I think, I think a, right, I think a, a, a real fundamental shift occurred that they recognized, that they lamented, but they even the Jedi couldn't see their, their way around, and it could be characterized in a, uh, you know one or two scenes in Revenge of the Sith. Specifically, here's one in which, in the simple act of asking Obi Wan, the Council asked Obi Wan to go to Anakin and represent the entire Council in front of Anakin, who was. Uh, the single voice that could speak to Palpatine or the Chancellor um, that they t- adopted a new strategy never never um, seen before that, that is covert suspicious um, subterfuge we say never seen before but we truly don't know the history of the Jedi Council we don't know and based on some of the readings that I've been I've been engaging in with you just recently you know some of the uh, some of the fan writings some of the other uh, uh, types of references that lead me to believe that, that the Jedi, while they always try to do well, I see reference left and right to dark Jedi, so they're constantly converting. I always thought as a child the Jedi were pure. When you were a Jedi, once you're a Jedi, you're always a Jedi. And if you turned, you were no longer a Jedi. Yeah, but they but we see dark Jedi, Jedi who go against the teachings of the Council, so I don't see why it's not possible that they haven't had to engage some of the tools that may be a little bit borderline, a little bit, you know, shades of gray. So I think it's very possible that in the history of the Jedi that they've had to do things like this before. I don't think it's probably too far reaching. You could probably even go through the Jedi archive and find some reference, although I'm sure that some of the more um, uh, obtuse uh, references uh, would probably have been cut out of some of the libraries at uh, the the Jedi Temple. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe so, maybe so, and maybe not. Maybe they have a section for that. So, but so maybe the Jedi what I'm as pure referring as, to... as I truly believed as a child. Sure. Well, when I looked, when, you know, bringing it back to my musings about the 2008 that was uh, on Earth, and then the 2009 that will be for 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 the for the, for the people of Earth. Uh, I think to myself that I'm referring only to the good Jedi, the Jedi who are on the Council, and the Jedi who um, have not turned on the Council. What effect would they have? So, okay. so you know, just kind of simplifying this conversation, gotcha. I would I'd say let's stick to that. And what I would throw out there to you is, all, all I'm saying is that I think that they, the Jedi are typically uh, defense only, protecting pr- protecting peace rather than attacking. And if they did take on the title of general or whatever, it is because a dark new day had dawned. And, and let's face it, their downfall occurred shortly thereafter. That's true. So they deviated from the path. Now, would Jedi care about public appearance? Because one thing that's always bothered me is when they say that, hey, I'm, we can't fight your battles. 
we'll be keepers of the peace. We'll go into the troubled hot spots, which is referring back to your Somalia thing, and we'll figure out where the problems are. We'll bring the bad guys to justice. We'll excise them from the situation. We will uh, take them uh, before the high courts of the land, whatever that may be, and we'll bring them to justice for you. But we are not going to go in and fight an all-out war against the peoples between right. two different, uh, two different, you know, like people with, with differing opinions. We're not going to take sides. We're going to defend the republic and defend the legitimate authority. Yes, defend, but not attack. So, but do the Jedi care about appearance so much that they actually went against what they said, which is we will not fight your wars, and said, well, if we don't do something, what will the populace demand of us? I think maybe Palpatine was even counting on it, saying, you know, look, we're going into a war one way or another, and we've always declaimed, you know, we've always declared you the, the defenders of the people, and now you're going to tell us that we have to go to war with these separatists, yeah, and all of a sudden you're not going to be on our side? How is that going to look? He, he may not have put it in those words, but I think that was implied. So I'm wondering to myself, would true Jedi actually care about public appearance? Or do they exist at the will of the people? Yeah, well, they sh- sure do have um, idealism as a as a, you know, the strongest, maybe the strongest of their undercurrents. But they make a lot of quips, and they in the movies, even the good guys make a lot of um, funny references or, or quirky references to um, saving their own skin or. Uh, like how about the time that Obi-Wan and Anakin were, were caught and um, in a pit and Anakin had to save Obi-Wan I don't quite remember but that was in Revenge of the Sith uh, and Obi-Wan made a comment about um, you know kind of blew off the fact that he had to be saved so you know he was he was he was keeping up a pretense there or how about um, Yoda being so so base now he he may have been feigning this 100% but he was trying to take the um Luke's food, or right, D2's right, right. food. Oh, completely so, fading. That yeah, was, he was, yeah, he was in character. But 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 uh, the point I'm driving at is that that um, something other than high ivory tower principles entered into the, um, the Jedi personality and the way they express themselves on many occasions. Yoda definitely comes across as a um, as a silly. You know, kind of a goofy guy when he's not having to deal with heavy matters. So. I think that's how he disarms. I think that's one of the one of the things that he uses to disarm those who would otherwise, you know, analyze and scrutinize his every movement. I think that by having that that goofy, yeah, I, you know, good point, common so. side is, is disarming in a way, so that people aren't always on defense when they're around him, and they can kind of he can see who they are. And they can, so let me, I I agree with you completely. I, let me turn this. Um, <laughs> Let me turn this vehicle around and come back to, to your the point topic, of yes. come back to your point of do they cons- do they worry about appearances so much so that even that maybe that was part of Palpatine's manipulation to get them to participate right and um, no well I- all I can do is speak from my own impressions and watching the movies uh, my impression is simply that they took the least uh, wrongful course. When they were when they were caught between a, a rock and a hard place, there was no good direction for them to take. So participating on what seemed overwhelmingly the side of the good guys was what they did. So in checkmate, they had to either Go turn, the, turn right. the king or just sacrifice more pieces, knowing that it was inevitable anyway. I think that's a good description. Huh. Um, okay, so role of the Jedi in the world in which we live, assuming that we know how the Jedi operate just on our little, you know, five-minute analysis of how they behaved in uh, the the trilogy, the prequel trilogy. 
Um, what is the role of the Jedi in the world in which we live? I still think that they'd be doing the same kinds of things that we saw in the movie. They'd be going into hot spots in the world uh, with very small envoys. Uh, they would not be a military presence by any sense of the word. They're very capable of their own self-defense. I think they might be um, almost Navy Sealish in the fact that they would go in and extract the bad guys, bring them out, bring them to justice. But now stabilizing the the vacuum that's just been left the power vacuum because we all know how dangerous it is to just take out the, the leaders of governments or or the power players and leave nothing in its place so what role would they play there well well you know and, and there is a homogenous uh feel to everything that they do you know it's they they um they i think would enter a hot spot for example they would go into southern italy and um take out the the head of the snake of the mafia and I think in in the course of doing that they would through their own extrasensory perception as well as direct dialogue etc etc I get the impression that they're all very intelligent very educated so they would already come in there with some some knowledge of how the uh, government in southern Italy works and and the um, local governments as well I think they would go in and within short order they would figure out who could be plugged in to take over the leadership role so in that case who would be the money lenders who would be the trustworthy money lenders and who would be the um the um the decision makers who would hold those smaller communities in uh, southern italy together and so not only would they get rid of the cancer but then they would also put in healthy tissue uh and, and they would replace it, I tend to think. What they perceive to be a healthy tissue, but what makes them any different than what the CIA has purportedly tried to do in the past, installing uh, you know, United States-friendly government, in this case, hopefully world-friendly governments, and hopefully working from a better sense of uh, ethics, uh, better, better moral compasses in place here. But at the end of the day, uh, is it our place to decide to determine the will of the people of that entire country. What would they do, for example, in Greece during the riots after uh, the the police officer shot that 15-year-old? Those lasted four weeks, two weeks or longer. longer. I mean, there may still be some uh, residual rioting going on right now. I I haven't checked my um, World Have Your Say or my uh, BBC lately, but I mean, at the end of the day... Um, I mean, that went on for at least two weeks that I so, know So what your, what's your question what would, then? What, what would okay. they do to go in and, tr- and quell the trouble in that hotspot and bring peace or at least stabilize See, that See, I think that's again? an easier answer than what? a couple of the others because it simply is a matter of, I mean, heck, in a case like that, you've got a standing government that, that has dialogue and holds dialogue with the rest of the, the, the peaceful world. And so all you need to do is stop the rioting right there. Maybe they don't have optimal self-governance, but... You know, this sort of thing, standing on the brink, tends to bring about reform. So all you need to do is stop the rioting. So they would quickly ascertain who out of this, who within these throngs is responsible for heading this up. And there, I'm sure there are several figureheads. But uh, I think they would do the same thing. They would, they would coerce. They would cajole, um, temporarily take out of action whoever they needed to. I don't think that would be a problem. And let's face it, there's nobody on earth who has the kind of, um, who puts up the kind of physical opposition to the Jedi like they face in the Star Wars universe. But I think your question goes to what would they do in a place like, like Somalia or Palestine or, you know, some of these places that are real hot spots. 
what would they do to make sure that another bad guy de- doesn't step in? Truly, even what would their role be, uh, as you originally posed the question? I guess what I'm saying is, you know, we sit in part of what I marvel at about the Jedi and the Star Wars universe and why it's, you know, why I'm so wistful in watching it is, is the seeming magic with which they handle a lightsaber or the Force. Well, uh, it's not a very big leap to me to say that they would also be able to do that in a in a um, political arena or a um, what am I trying a diplomatic see, arena, and I, they would they would find. See, I don't think it's a matter. They were of sent finding. in on issues of diplomacy in the past, but I've always found them to be very neophytish when dealing with uh, people of the caliber of a uh, Newt Gunray or a uh, Palpatine. Now, Newt Gunray, obviously, we know is a puppet of Palpatine, but there have to be more Palpatines out there in the world. The bureaucrats, the uh, the the uh, you know the the manipulators behind the scenes, and and I, from what I've seen in the Star Wars galaxy, they go in on missions of diplomacy, but really their their way of Diplomacy is just to go in and assert their their uh, their dominance, their their uh, superiority, and you know cajole or manipulate a situation to the favor of whoever it is that they're sent, which is usually the representative governments, you know that that they consider to be legitimate and that they're defending at the time. So, in going into dealings with the Trade Federation, had Sidious not been manipulating Gunray to the point he was, I think Gunray would have completely taken all the ships and just stood down and taken off out of there once the Jedi showed up on the ship. Look, here's how it's going to go, Newt. You're going to turn your ship around. In other words, they were peacekeepers. They were cops. Look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to take your the, the people in your party here. You know, you're too noisy and your neighbors are complaining. You're going to go ahead and you're going to get everybody into their cars and you're going to peacefully leave the neighborhood or we're going to start taking people away one at a time. You know, and gun rate was all ready to stand down. So I don't think, I don't so think you're, they're politically you're savvy. You're... I don't think they're politically I think you have to, I think you have to have a bent moral compass in order to be politic to play the political game at the level that Palpatine and some of his cronies were willing to play it. Wow, Tim, that's huge. Then, then what do you say about um, what do you say about the, the the guy who won from what was it Finland? The guy who won the Nobel Peace Prize this year. He, he's been in involved in several completely dissociated um, political hot spots over the years and that's why he won the Nobel Peace Prize you're saying he has a bent moral compass call me skeptical I'd have to really research this guy so I'm gonna have to claim ignorance on knowing everything that this man's done but how about someone like Jimmy Carter then you know enough about him that he plugs himself or is asked to be plugged into to step into a political arena you have to know that there have to be some deals with the devil made and I don't think the Jedi are willing to do that well I do I do admit that or I do see uh, that the Jedi failed in multiple political arena. Um, however, they also succeeded in, in, in some very difficult ones. How about um, how about something even as small as Qui-Gon Jinn negotiating? He ran into a blockade when he tried to negotiate with Watto, right? He yep. couldn't... He discovered right then and there, he didn't know it ahead of time, that, that he, he couldn't use his Jedi... Yeah. Correct. And so, but but ultimately, ultimately, he he tacked, went a different direction with it, and succeeded in getting everything they needed, everything they needed, and more. That he got a, a boy out of it. So all I'm saying is, yeah, no I doubt think that they could clever, go in. But had he truly had the wherewithal to play the political game or to play the game to its extreme, I think he could have even manipulated Shmi Skywalker out of there. But there was some 
some moral and ethical boundaries. He wasn't willing to, to cross another. In he wasn't, time. He wasn't time. willing to steal Shmi, for example, throw her on the ship and get her out of there against Wada's will. Well, you know, she would have died. Truly, because there supposedly was some kind of an implant. But all truth be told, he could have held a saber to, to Sebulba's, you know, throw He could have used to, other to methods to coerce. Yeah, yeah water, yeah. He, he could have coerced that situation. So I think he could have won better than he won. But, he, you know, I think he... Okay, he, but they're clever. But I don't. I still consider them, in my mind, to be political neophytes. Really, it's a okay. skeptical view. So, so then bringing it back, you don't think that they could step into a um, a tribal situation where where land is divided amongst warlords, or step into a uh, an intractable situation where you've got a Fidel Castro or a um, Hugo Chavez or. I, I wouldn't even say Hugo Chavez is that is that big a problem. He certainly seems like it to me as an American who is part of a federal republic, uh, very democratically inclined. You know, I think of the guy as, as a problem, but, um, you know, some of these really oppressive regimes. How about North Korea? You don't think that they would go in and have any effect? I think Korea? that in order to cut deals with power players without creating a vacuum by extracting them completely in order to cut deals part of the deals are going to be we're going to look we're going to look past your war crimes we're going to forgive your human rights violations but you're going to do this from here on out and i think that's how the negotiations wind up going and i don't think that that the jedi are ready to do that what do you think that they were doing with um with um uh, Gunray, when when they met with him, do you think that they were thinking like, okay, we're going to talk to this guy who has a clean slate, etc.? No, that guy is a money changer. A right, right, and he was always going to be able to hide behind lawyers and tie things up in the courts forever and a day. But I think at the end of the day, once he was standing in front of two Jedi, if he had, if they had been allowed to make it to the control room, had had right. not forced the issue, right? I think he would have backed down. And I don't think it even would have been tense. I think that, that at the end of the day... And they, that, would, that would not happen in North Korea. Uh, I think I think they would feel they would have to extract um, Pyongyang. And, um, I, you know, that he would have to be brought to justice. I, I mean, unless they were given very what specific orders What about inspiring... He's not... I mean, you cannot run a country as a single person. There are powerful people under you. What about inspiring those who are looking to be inspired? Then you're to looking move, to, to, move. In, to incite a, key, uh, a coup, a sure. military coup. Uh, sure. Again, you've created the military vacuum. Are you creating a better situation by, okay. by moving the coup forward? Here's one, then. How about this? Could they go into Pyongyang, be airdropped into Pyongyang, or just show up under a guise, reveal who they are, and say you will change, or we're going to fight. And obviously, um, Kim is not going to say, "Okay, I'm going to make the change." So then they would have been forced to fight. Do you think they would have escaped with their lives? They could escape from their lives from North Korea. The Jedi? Yeah. Uh, are they going to be dropped in with a small battalion? No, of just clones? the two of them. I don't think they would have been airdropped in without him knowing that they were coming. I mean, just like Chancellor. Okay, Lord whatever. They're standing there. in front of him. Right. One minute. And now all of a sudden... They all disagree. So now the fighting breaks out. Do they get out of North Korea alive? And and the point I'm making is, is I think they do. They're freaking Jedi. They are freaking Jedi. Enough said. So if they can get out of North Korea, they can negotiate. They can give somebody enough cause. They can inspire or intimidate without attacking. They can intimidate. They can inspire to a degree that would cause somebody to allow 
changes cause them to stand down in their nuclear weapons program. Whatever, whatever changes that have to happen for a brighter day to dawn for North Korea. I'm just gonna, the I'm gonna, I'm gonna Jedi. finish up on, on. I'm gonna stand behind the fact that I think that they're not equipped to deal with uh, the the political arena on the grandest scale in which it's meant. Um, I think that they're peacekeepers. I think that they're traffic cops. And, you know, I'm not going to give you a ticket this time, but you need to know that we're watching you and you need to watch your speed. I think that's what they are. You, you don't think they're well. equipped? I, I think I think, I the think they Jedi have a lot have, of tools at their disposal. I think the Jedi have great equipment. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> what about uh, some of the other topics that we've been talking about, too? Um, I mean, there were there were a couple other uh, avenues we were going down. One of the things that you and I were talking about, and it may be a, a curious uh, thing for any audience that eventually uh, writes and uh, emails and uh, calls in with uh, to respond to, would be uh, Ventress's character. I I am mm-hmm. I have been mentioning to you that that mm-hmm. Asajj Ventress to me initially. I didn't want to like her, and I didn't really think I liked her. But the more I watched, because she was introduced to me in the Clone Wars, the Jendi Tartoski or whatever, the, the Cartoon Network original. Yeah, like Gennady Tartakov. Yeah, whatever his name is. It was a partial uh, anime, but partial Americanized cartoon, not traditional cartoon. And it was very uh, – there were 12-minute segments, and they aired them over several weeks. And at the end of all of it, we had been introduced to Asajj Ventress. And Asajj probably came into the book series. I missed that. I never read the book we've talked about that before but when i when i first met her i didn't like her i didn't want to like her but the more research i've been doing on her i find her to be a very compelling character she is a almost a dark jedi she never finished any proper jedi training but she came under the tutelage of a jedi uh as a very young child and um, what was his name uh nai uh kai narek or something yeah kai narek sounds familiar anyway um I, I now find her to be a very compelling character, and I don't want to like her, but I think I do. Yeah, I'm curious. Let's not spend too much time on this, but why didn't you Kinda. like her at first? Um, she seemed contrived and created for the Clone Wars, and this is where my shallowness in the Star Wars universe shows itself, because had I been reading all the books, had I been devoted as I started out as a kid, and I kick myself now for not staying with it, I really think that I would have more depth and more understanding and even more I think I'd be a better fan had I stayed more loyal and I now kick myself yeah I've seen all the movies and I can quote a lot of lines from a lot of the movies but you and I both that we just picked up this book called Star Wars Obsessed and it's a trivia book and it's got 2,500 questions in there and at my best run at 10 questions in a row I only got 50% right and that was getting lucky on a couple of them I really think my knowledge of this book is maybe 30% so you're saying that she Test the boundaries of what you... Yeah, because she didn't enter my consciousness before. Once I saw her as a cartoon, mm-hmm. I dismissed her. Mm-hmm. But now that I read about her and I study her and I understand a little bit of her history, I really start to like her. Because I actually... More. I liked her pretty well from the beginning. And if I draw a comparison between her and Darth Maul, two totally different roles. Um, one was a Sith apprentice, and the other is this uh, hanger-on. disciple, yeah. Yeah, this hanger-on that you know wants to get in good with the bad guys. Um, similar. They're yeah. both very stark, very stark characters, but both very capable. Um, you know, I do think that there is a part of me that sees any any new uh, matter coming into this closed system. Outside of the movies, right. Yes. Is, um, 
you know, I look at it with a very skeptical eye. Yeah, and so, like I said, that's where my fandom, I, I realize the limitations of my fandom, and I, I wish I wasn't so shallow in that respect, but I've really come to like I think that also plays, if I may, a sidelight, that, that plays into, I agree with you, he's panned all over the board, up, down, and all around, but part of that plays into the Jar Jar Binks um, backlash, because Jar Jar, I'm, I'm still going to submit, is no worse than an Ewok. Okay. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> Gun guns and Ewoks, oh my. Um, anyway, uh, Ventress, one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, how did one person so capable and so in tune with the Force become so incredibly anti-Jedi? And so we learned a little bit about her history, and we did a little research on it, and that's where I was so compelled to uh, to change my view on her as a character after I, I read a little bit about her. So I'm sure that there's a lot more folks with infinitely more infinite more knowledge than right. we've got on this and I'm and I'm sure that they probably if they would listen to this from beginning to end we realize boy these guys just have no clue what they're talking about because yeah, massage is so much even deeper than that but hence our um, hence our disclaimer when we first started doing this podcast right it's kind of pointless to keep it up people don't have to keep listening but you know back to this um, Asage yeah I think she's a very compelling character too because she does there's something about her that for me straddles the uh the world of good versus evil. She is clearly evil. I mean, she's clearly evil, and she does evil things, and she's furthering the, the business of the most evil character in the galaxy. At the same time, at the same time, she does. You know, she is looking for inclusion. That's a pretty. That's a pretty universal sentiment. She's looking for inclusion. She's. Um, but why she does she align herself with the bad guys? Huh? Why does she align herself with the bad guys? I mean. The truth of the matter is, inside well, the Star Wars universe, they don't see themselves as good and bad. Well, within her, within, you know, obviously the his, her own history, the loss of her master, and from from what I have come to understand, anyway, the fact that she lost her master in a manner that speaks to the Jedi leaving him out, hanging out to dry, uh, embittered her, you know, made her, her bitter... But are you asking from the standpoint of why? Why do people? Why yeah, do beings? I, I why do people she, get so angry and yeah, so bitter? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, bringing it back to real world issues. Why do people become radical extremists? Yeah, you know, and, that's, and that's kind of what she is. Yeah, she she, she sure is. Um, you know, I do think that there is a phenomenon, and I think that Vader really suffered from this. And I I, I think that when Luke and Vader were standing on the jet walk after having gotten off of that what was it the Adat and they were just about to be shuttled to the Death Star right um, I think Vader spoke heavily to this yes yeah, um, that you go so far down a path that to even invite um, introspection on on, a, on an issue counter to your your held belief uh, throws into question an awful lot of your life in other words if you if she does change her she just does change her dynamic then she has a lot to atone for she has a lot to account for um, and, yeah. and, and maybe I, I think the difference I see in her and the others is that she does she does seem to have a um, you know a driving force it's not doesn't seem to be just pure greed right as with Dooku as That's with true. she doesn't Maul, seem to as just with... be power hungry but she does seem to be uh, working towards a vendetta or revenge, which is very yeah. anti-Jedi, which is going to make it hard to convert her if that ultimately becomes yeah. what it's all about. There's one more thing I wanted to talk to you about because we're getting a little long-winded here. Um, why 
would you refuse to wear a costume to MegaCon? Because we got MegaCon yeah, coming up at the yeah. end of February, and I'm, I'm going to tell anybody. Who's Let's explain that here uh, in Central well, wait Florida. Wait a second. Central Florida MegaCon is a science fiction slash anime slash comic book convention, and it is it's all things it's all things nerd and geek. So you know, get over it. There we said it. But to me and to you, it is a hell of a lot of fun going and watching and listening and absorbing and just being immersed in that atmosphere with people who take such joy from from all things. Star Wars, all things Buffy, all things, even things I don't like. Comic book, you know, I not that I don't like comic books, but I just don't, I don't, I don't yeah, read it like I do every, like I do Star Wars. So, but, but I just enjoy pe- being around people who are that passionate about things. You put the the best uh, uh, spin on it that I'd heard in a long time in, in describing yourself as a geek and saying that people who aren't they just don't understand the joy of what it is to become so impassioned in in these types of things and i can't put it as eloquently as you did but my question to you back to you is once you've committed (laughs) to to going to this why are you not willing to take the next logical step let me ask you something costume You, you let me ask you something you like music right i do you like music you like you like color and you like uh vibrant uh art don't you yes i do Sure, sure. Why don't you like getting out in colorful hippie uh, garb and dancing through, um, you know, through downtown Orlando or through any other major city's central park, um, singing and dancing hippie tunes? In the right venue, I would. And I, I argue that I did go to a Grateful Dead concert where I kind of did do a little twirling. I wasn't wearing the hippie clothes, but I would would have felt very comfortable at the time singing. Now, there were some other factors that would have led to my loss of inhibition in that situation, but in this situation, you're surrounded by people who embrace you and, and love you for who you are. You know, why should you feel so inhibited? Because I don't think they do. I think the majority of people, and first of all, it comes down to what I want to do. I think wearing the costume is not, um, is not, excite, is not exciting to me. Um, although, although, if I'm wearing a Jedi um, robe and uh, cape, yeah, that, that 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 might be fun. But uh, that aside, See? but that it aside, stirs in you. that it aside, stirs in you. I think the majority of people are going there for one nineteenth of the total MegaCon experience. Okay. They're going for their, like you said, Buffy or their anime or right. their role playing game or their Star Wars. Going to see whatever Star Wars stuff there might be. That's me. I'm going for one fraction of what's at MegaCon. Okay. You're interested in gaming? Are you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You. If I if I say that, will this actually be on the podcast? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. You're interested yes. in gaming. You're interested in because star- I'm in Star Wars because I'm researching it for your your kids and my son. What about uh, <laughs> what about uh, uh, not just Star Wars, but uh, the, uh, the whole science fiction genre? I mean, we're talking Star Trek. Yeah. We're talking you know maybe even the, the the Firefly Serenity type series. It seems to me I may be wrong. But we don't have conventions for for people in, engrossed in the financial sector, and those people are not. Um, for for the most part, I don't see a lot of creativity there. But um, I would I would engage in that because there are an awful lot of intelligent people there. I tend to find that the folks at these science fi- fiction conventions tend to be more literate, more more intelligent. And so I do like that environment as well. Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. rather than those. I love football. I love football, but the people showing up to the um, Citrus Bowl today, they are not necessarily um, going to be 
as adept at talking about different different subject matters. You know what? You know what? What makes me sad though is if you went to that football game, you you number one, you're a chameleon. You would blend it so well with that crowd because you enjoy that as much as you enjoy. I don't wear a jersey. If that's what you're okay, about. You're to not. Say. No, you're not going to wear the jersey, but you're going to hoot and holler with every single one of those fans, and you're going to high five them, and you're going to chest bump them if the mood hits you. Uh, but dude, you at, at MegaCon, I would holler, Nanu, Nanu, as loud as the next but guy. But you won't <laughs> wear a Jedi robe, or actually, you might wear. Are a you Jedi going robe. to? I, if I could find for the right price, the right Jedi outfit. I would totally have to be Obi Wan to your Qui Gon Jinn. So you have to be. So you're um you were born sweet? in 1900 and what? Are we talking about? Uh, are you actually talking about the uh, Liam Neeson or uh, or uh, Ewan McGregor? No, no, in real him? life, you'd wear a costume to this thing, and you were born in 1900 and 67. <laughs> 41. Dude, the chicks are gonna dig it. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, listen. I think we've gone on a little long-winded. So today we covered the role of the Jedi in the world in which we live in. Uh, we've talked a little bit of Asajj Ventress. I'm, I'm curious to know what other folks feel about her as a character. And we've talked about why you've got hang-ups about uh, getting immersed completely in the culture of Megacon. But uh, I don't think that we solved any real-world issues, although I did like where our topics went in some of the, uh, some of the arenas where we tied into some of the situations in the world today. So I think it's probably a good point for us to kind of draw close to this shenanigan. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, I, I think until next time. Until the next time. May the Force be with you. <laughs>